Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. My friends, welcome to another episode of Diner Talks with James. I'm James, and I'm super pumped to be here with you all back in the diner. Y'all, I'm excited. I'm talking to a friend of mine from New York who currently lives on Long Island. So when we talk in diners, we actually talk in diners. This is so exciting. How many mirrors you got in your establishment? If it's not all of the walls, you're not a New York diner, okay? If you don't have dry cake spinning and some sort of spinny contraption, semi-refrigerated mechanism, it's not a New York diner, okay? If you don't randomly have a selection of alcohol that no one's touched in years, it's not a New York diner my friends but leslie mizell knows what a new york diner is and i'm excited for you to get to know her let me tell you about her she is a certified reiki practitioner i have no idea what that means but i'm excited to learn also she is an actor a writer director teacher and in college worked at a bowling alley thinking it would be exactly like greece too it wasn't (laughs) Leslie has been doing Reiki for a number of years throughout her own healing journey of about 10 years, uh, working with Joan. Shout out to Joan. That's all the information I have about Joan. I love that she's just kind of an ambiguous figure in the middle of the bio. Uh, But either way, (laughs) I'm excited to learn about how she's found the benefits of Reiki and how it's so much so that she wanted to pass on that knowledge and healing to others. Leslie and I met while she was working, uh, not working, excuse me, writing, directing, performing at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater while I was taking classes and desperately trying to get those people to think I was funny. Okay, let's keep moving. But I have worked alongside with her, outside of her, at a very random job that we can't wait to talk to you about. And she is just one of the most genuine souls that I know. Uh, was immediately drawn to her energy, to her essence, uh, to her humor, uh, to her love. And I'm just excited to get to hang out with my friend, with you in the diner. So grab a milkshake, because here comes Leslie Mizell. you are so cool (laughs) how are you hi (laughs) i did your voice your i just could listen to you talk the whole time i mean this the musicality of your voice is crazy awesome is that weird is that weird to start off that way one of the best compliments that i get when i'm giving uh uh, speeches afterwards people come up to me and ask me if i do slam poetry yes Uh, it's just a really that's that's cool right I, i intentionally try to speak with cadence especially in in my rehearsed speeches because we all have a vocal fingerprint it's another way to add intrigue and so uh yeah so i'll i'll take that compliment to the bank leslie thank you Oh, do it. Cash it. See what you get. Because, well, I've, it's probably already um, coming back to you in priceless amounts of <laughs> love. I hope so. No, it is. It is. It is, it is. It is for sure. 
Yes. Uh, Leslie, I'm stoked to be here with you. Now, you you live yeah. on Long Island where I grew up. You live about maybe 20, 30 minutes from where I grew up. And yeah. so I know you're no stranger to a New York diner. You also lived in the city for quite some time. Yes. And so I'm wondering, show's called Diner Talks with James, because I think the best conversations happen late at night with the friends oh. you never want to leave over the food you shouldn't be eating. Um, Amen. <laughs> Amen. That was what a lot. What is of, yeah. a late night guilty pleasure food for you? If you were to go to a diner okay. uh, late at night, what would you order? So it's interesting. So uh, typically, okay, I always got an omelet. I always got an omelet um, with like feta cheese and spinach. And then you had to get the hash browns or like the potatoes on the mm -hmm. side. But I would tell them like cook it really good. Yeah. Like get it crispy and nice. Um, so I probably stick with that. Maybe no cheese because I'm that gluten-free, dairy-free person at the moment. So mm. if it's late night, maybe, maybe I'll just live it up and not care. Just get that cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Popping lactates tonight, baby. <laughs> hey, hey, that, that's, the, that's the extent of my partying <laughs> at this point. It's like, I'm going to get crazy. I'm going to go for some dairy. Um, so I would do that, but there's also nothing like a tuna melt at a diner. Mm. That's also, so maybe I do both because it's been a while. I'll just go, go nuts. Just what go about hard. you? Let's go go hard. Yeah, I think I agree. The tuna melt's great, especially if they do it on an English muffin. That always makes me happy. Ooh, I've never had that. For an English, uh, for a tuna melt. Okay. What's your go-to? Does it change? Uh, it does. It, I, I would say I have like a handful of things in rotation. Uh, mm -hmm. I do a, a grilled cheese with bacon, um, French mm -hmm. fries on the side, um, yeah. or I'll do a stack of pancakes, um, yeah. holla bread, French toast, of course. Yeah. Sometimes I'm doing a waffle with whipped cream instead of butter. Cause you know, it's late at night. It's dessert. Would you ever order a steak at a diner? No. Okay. I would, I would, oh, I would, I would 100% <laughs> never order a steak and I would 100% always judge someone who did. Yes. Um, <laughs> Good. Great. Perfect. Because when you see your like steak and eggs and someone's eating it, you just hope they're going to make it through the day. You hope yeah. that like there's another day tomorrow for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody's yeah. got their thing, I suppose. I'm yeah. someone who is, when it comes to my meat, it, uh, especially like burgers, uh, steaks and stuff like that, this is bougie and that's fine. I can own it. We all got our little things. Yes. Um, but if you don't ask me what temperature I want it cooked, I'm probably oh. not ordering it. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Like, how would you like it? Yeah, Medium that's rare. okay. Because otherwise it's coming out. It's coming, you know, if you order a steak at a diner, you know, it's coming out well done. Yeah. Oh, but easily. Easily, if well, not more. Well, I think because it's like, where's that meat from? So let's just cook it all the way, just in yeah. case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I get the health concerns. <laughs> but, but no no judgments. No judgments. <laughs> you know, that Leslie, so here's, here's one thing that I, I love about you. You know, I send out um, a little bit of a questionnaire to anybody who's going to be on on the show. I ask for, you know, things like a bio, headshot, whatnot, you know, all the, all the kind of things that you need to get going. Um yeah. And then I also just kind of give people some questions just to get their brain churning about stuff that we may talk about. Um, and I love this because you actually sent me your answers. Um, and that rarely happens. And it makes me very happy when it does happen. Um, and so I want to share. Um, I want to share one with you. I, I asked, please think of three random facts or quirks about yourself. Um, and the two that you shared, the two that you shared are also two that I share. And so that's why, that's why I bring them up. 
while we're on the topic, you said burgers. So this made me think about it. I also eat all of my fries before the burger. Mm. Yes. Because no I, one. Uh, oh, wait. Hang on a second. Yeah. No, you didn't write that down. That's mine. <laughs> I just read my own quirk. <laughs> Did you like? I was just like, Here's oh, I wrote that. Quirk okay. that I wrote down about myself, just so you all know. Wait, uh, did you read this before we, we spoke or are you I reading did. this in I the did. moment? Yeah, I didn't read it carefully, though, because literacy is hard. And, you know. I was like, I, I wrote that? I thought I wrote something different, but, you that's know, it was no. late. Funny. No, that's incredible that I just did that. Um, I love it. So the examples that I give, and I'm now going to ask you for your three quirks and put myself out there, but the examples I give are, for example, the three quirks that I personally have, or I've never seen the movie Titanic. I eat all my fries before my burger. And I think I play with my belly button more than most people do. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are my random quirks that I now had to out myself about, and that's fine. Um, but <laughs> do you have any fun quirks, Leslie? Maybe any foods that you eat in a unique way or like uh, or things like that? Yeah, yeah. Well, reading yours made me think of one thing about a burger, which I thought you were going to go into, but I was like, oh, I didn't write that, and that could be true. <laughs> so it kind of goes back to my Grease 2 obsession, and I don't know if, how well you know the movie. This is very specific, but – there's um, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is in the diner, in a diner, mm. eating a burger and fries. And she puts mounds of ketchup on each bite. And she's like talking and she's beautiful. And the way she's talking makes it look amazing. So my quirk is every time I eat a burger and my fries, I think of Michelle Pfeiffer. And a few bites, I try to eat it <laughs> like she does in that scene. <laughs> Incredible. So that's, I think, very odd. I think that's, that's an odd thing. That's delightful. I just picture you getting this sparkle in your eye at one point, like a few bites into the burger, and like all of a yeah. sudden you like snap into character. A little <laughs> bit, but what's odd is like in the scene, she's talking with a mouthful. So mm. when I kind of try to do it in the way that she does it, which is like so cute, I think I'm yep. like, I'm being disgusting. Like no one, <laughs> no one understands the context that I'm doing it. Like, Hey, do you know this? They're just think I'm talking with a mouthful of food. So I'm, I try to be a little bit more aware of that cork. Yeah. That's yeah. True. That's a weird one. Now that you yeah, have to yeah, role yeah. model for your son, you know, you know, these manners. <laughs> oh, the manners, the eating with your mouth closed is a huge one. And I think it's because I grew up with that. But um, but with my dad, like that was a main thing. Eating with your like manners at the table. And um, I get it. Like I'm I'm doing the same thing. I'm literally a robot because of my parents, which yeah. we can get into <laughs> about other things. But I think that's a positive one. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, on the other hand, Tina is someone who can't stand when people are loud chewers. Um, so uh, she'll like, she always has music on during dinner um, okay. and like intentionally so to help to spare herself um, from whatever sounds are emanating from people's faces. And my dad is the opposite of your dad. My dad's a, a loud chewer, a lot of okay. smacking, a lot of. It's a lot of moisture. I don't understand where it all comes from. Um, but, but, and so, and that unfortunately, at that moment, typically we're at their house because we've traveled to Long Island to see them and we can't be like, can we put some music on? And mm -hmm. Tina just, I just look at her face and she just gives me that <laughs> kind of laugh. But you know what's beautiful is that you're still together and oh, she yeah. accepts it. Yep. 
and she still goes. It's all, yeah, exactly. Yeah, not yeah, for sure. Yeah. Not a hill that she dies on. No. <laughs> No, not a hill that she dies on. I might use that at some point. That's a good one. I mean, it's a scary one, but it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Leslie, where, you know, we're talking about growing up a little bit. Where did you grow up? And uh, what did what did young Leslie want to do when she grew up? Oh, OK. So born in Philly, raised in Florida. I probably could skip the Philly part. But I feel like there's part of my blood that still wants to own the um, that north part of me. Yep, yep. <laughs> so I uh, grew up in Florida um, near Fort Lauderdale. And um, what's it? Little Leslie. So, it's so when you ask that question, the first thing that popped up in my mind. So uh, I think I always wanted to do acting, lawyer, or doctor. Like it was just those three or psychologists. It was like all those yeah. always came up. But there was a moment in my life where little Leslie wanted to be on Star Search so badly. <laughs> I mean, beyond. And I don't know if anyone remembers Star Search. I'm sure you've heard of it. but Or oh, if yeah. you watched it, like Bobby Brown won every. And Bobby Brown, the model, won like every mm-hmm. model thing. Um, but they started to have scenes so um, the daughter could do a scene with the mo- your mom or, or your dad. And I begged my parents to submit because my dad always wanted to be in entertainment. Yeah. And they didn't. And I think that I think I'm still working that trauma. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it was always acting. I think I think it was always some sort of performance, because if you think about it, like, a lawyer is performing in a sense, like yes. convincing someone they have an action, they have a want, they come up with a speech, they're putting themselves out there. The jury, like you want them to believe you. Um, and there, there are a lot of connections, I think, to mm-hmm. that profession. Um, in that way, it comes with passion, very clear goals, like all of that. Um the doctor I'm not sure about, uh, which is interesting because at one point I played an actor for like real uh, medical students um, because I don't know if you've ever heard of this, James, but like um, some medical schools will hire actors to be patients so that the medical student can like um, get experience working on different kinds of patients. So they oh, would... Wow give you a little bit of a character thing, like be this way, be that way. And then they would work it out. So anyway. Um, so yeah, so I think it was, they gave you a temperament essentially, like be a, be a, like it'd be a difficult patient, be a, this kind of patient. Yes. Yes. Fascinating. Yes. Fascinating. I did one for, I get, I was supposed to play, uh, I was playing a smoker and I didn't want to quit cigarettes um, and I felt really strongly about that. And so the student would um, have to figure out how to convince me of that. And I remember this one guy was just total dick. And I think I was like an asshole in the room. I was like offended. <laughs> I was like, I think this is the last time I should do this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, that's all I remember from that part. Um, but I send him love. I send him love. I'm sure he's great now. Um, but yeah, so I guess it was always in the acting at the, and when I was little somewhere in that realm or yeah. like a or a or a witch <laughs> it was like that 
<laughs> I just forgot about that section. So maybe things make sense now. <laughs> Between the actor and the psychology and yeah. uh, you know, the lawyer and the witch. Yeah, I think I think yeah. we found I think we found it. I think we found it. Oh my gosh. There's a Venn diagram of that. I think you'd be in the middle. Yes. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh God. I say with love. Say I'm with rambling. Love. I'm going to take a sip of coffee, diner coffee. Okay. Uh-huh. That sounds good. <laughs> The uh, the idea of wanting to be a, an actor when you were young um, yeah. is uh, is beautiful. Was there? Thanks. Did you remember watching something that was like, oh, I want to do that? Like, was it was it Greece? <laughs> I wanted also in while why it's Greece two and not <laughs> Greece one. Um, but um, oh. you know, I'm, I'm, was it was it Greece two that did that for you, or um, what, no. you watching something and be like, this is what I want to do? That's such a great question. Annie comes to mind. Um, yeah. You know, I would do like dance classes. I think I just, I think it was just my imagination. I wanted to, if I had to like really, really think about it, I think it was the play, playing. I think it was playing, using your imagination, playing. I used to love crying on cue and like pretending I was sad. <clears throat> I loved singing and dancing. Um, and you can just get lost in in someone else's world in a way that was really playful. So I think as a kid, it was that. And then even when I was um, young, this is interesting. I haven't thought about this in a while. Um, and this is going to sound so crazy, but you know what? We're going for it. I <clears throat> used, I remember seeing something with Janet Jackson um, and she was like at a kid's hospital um, helping people. And I thought, okay, okay, so if I make it in the business and I become really famous, I can help people on a really big scale. And for a very long time, that was part of what I thought would just be the natural steps. Like I'd be acting or singing or dancing or something in the entertainment fields. And I'd be able to, on a very powerful level, have doors open for me in that way to be able to help like sick kids or, you know, like give a wish to somebody. But I think I, I married those two things together. I needed that um, kind of opening on some level of entertainment. I'm, I can't think of the word exposure. I guess I needed that level of exposure to be able to help on the scale that I wanted to when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I totally. It's funny. I totally get that. When I was taking classes at at UCB and and doing stand up comedy around New York and and getting in the improv scene and trying to figure out uh, how I could get in front of more cameras, um, uh-huh. the goal was yes to be on camera um, and to uh-huh. be in a show or get cast in commercials or whatever. It's, uh, SNL was the dream at the time. Yes, yeah, same. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, Right. And so uh, but it was always in the back of my head. It was like, I want to get to this point so that I can help people do X, Y or Z or I can have a platform to talk about things that I thought that mattered in a way that people might listen or, you know, it it was interesting. There's still there's always been an an innate educator inside of me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so acting was the way that I thought I could get to a place where my education would reach the most people. Um, So, so yeah, so I, I, I totally hear what you're saying in that way. 
do you find yourself missing any part of that world now or, or do you dip into it a little bit or um, any any part of, of that world or does this, the work that you're doing now, which is so profound, I mean, it's so beyond inspiring and amazing and beautiful and coming from your heart. Um, do you find that that you are creatively and spiritually satisfied in that way that you thought the other, or do you so long for some of those other creative opportunities in that way, in the acting or performing way? Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, like Hamilton, I will never be satisfied. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, the oldest Skylar sister, but uh, but still, <clears throat> the um, <laughs> uh, so yeah. I mean, I would say that I mean, what you just said is something that's a constant struggle for me. Um, and it, I was actually just talking about it last night with some friends and my wife about like what is enough. How do you mm -hmm. know when you have made enough money, especially, you know, as an entrepreneur, that's not like I have a set salary. Um, right. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have built a business to the place where it is stable and I know I'll be able to make a living uh, wage. And so I'm good there, but then like, okay, so after that, what's enough. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's an interesting concept to think about. Um, and one that I frequently struggle with so much mm -hmm. so that it's what I teach right? Like that. Yeah. I teach people what I'm currently working on around, you know, imperfections, knowing that, you know, how do you know when you're enough um, and things like that. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, but, but yes, in a certain way, that's what I love about being a professional speaker is that it has melded those two worlds together, right? Yes. Like I'm able to be on stage and it's definitely pouring into people trying to get them to pause and think and be like, Oh, where, yeah. what matters to me? Or, Oh, I never thought about it that way. Right. <clears throat> trying to shift perspective. But at the same time, I'm getting the fulfillment of laughter. I'm getting the fulfillment of right. feeling impact. Right. Um, and yes. so, uh, so yeah, so it is, it's, it's, it's been a cool way to kind of still scratch that itch. Yeah, I can see that. I, I can, I, that makes sense to me because I feel the same way in the healing work that I do. Honestly, it's, it's interesting. And I read this, I read the uh, creative, uh, the artist way, maybe it's the artist way. Artist way. Mm -hmm. I didn't do the whole thing, <clears throat> but um, it has a quote in there that says, um, creativity is a spiritual issue. Mm. And I understand that now connecting to my spirituality. Um, but I'm sure when you're doing the work that you do, it's coming from an, an alignment with some sort of spirituality, which connects to your creativity, which is what you're doing when you're speaking. So it feeds that same want or that, that same feeling whether you're yeah. doing it in front of a camera, in front of an audience. And I would think that even the work, like when we would do stuff at the ride, as I can remember, like that is speaking to people, they're feeling something, they're healing, they're feeling good. Um, they're present in the moment, whatever it is, you were still, you were doing the same thing in a different way, which I think is cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's real. That's real. Real. Uh, I don't know if I connected those dots in the moment because I working at that, I worked at the ride. Um, a is initially it was just a little side money, um, yeah. but then it became the only money because I left the job because I didn't feel valued there. I didn't think mm-hmm. their values were in line with what I thought should be happening in an educational institution. And mm-hmm. I applied to a whole bunch of other jobs and was told, you're just not quite the right fit. Um, oh. And I was like, well, I'm leaving this job. And I'm going to figure it out. And so I paid my rent uh, up in Harlem for almost a year um, by freestyle Mm -hmm. rapping for a random tour bus company around Times Square. Um, Mm -hmm. Enter the ride, Leslie, which is you and I met. And I don't know if you would remember this because uh, this will make you uncomfortable, but that's fine. But like, Perfect. I always saw you as a big deal at the Upright Citizens Brigade oh. as someone who was very established, um, someone oh. who was very highly respected. And oh. I mean, you're doing great work um, and just so freaking funny. Um, and uh, at, you know, what the top level uh, of, of oh. improv and sketch. Isn't it interesting how sometimes we don't see ourselves in that same way? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very kind. It's It was a journey at UCB, um, and I love every minute of it. But I went from finding myself, losing myself, wondering things, but it, it challenged me. It, looking back, it challenged me in a way to – force me to like, who am I? What do I really want? And, you know, what do I, who am I? But I was also young. I was, you know, I mean, I'm so young now, but I was younger then. Yeah. Fact, fact. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But those are really kind words. Thank you. I mean, that's, yeah, for sure. Very nice. <laughs> but in in our in our attempt to figure out how to make it, whatever that meant, right? It's a lovely yes. phrase that we always say in the acting world. We got to make it. Uh, uh, where what it never is never enough. Yeah. And so never enough. Yeah, never <laughs> enough. Never enough. Um. So um. But uh, we we both find you before me find this company called the Ride. Yeah. Um. Can you tell people? what the ride was and how you got involved in it. Oh, yay. Um, Okay. (laughs) So the ride, how did I get involved? There was an ad out I saw somewhere. I really can't remember where, but I knew that a lot of UCB people were involved. Um, Darcy was involved at the time. I think Tim was Tim Dunn was involved yep. and a few other people. And they're like, there's this improv. You can get paid doing improv. And I was doing improv and I was like, what? The, the, this is happening? You know, like it, I just couldn't believe it. I was shocked. And I'm like, this is crazy. Um, I'll, I'll audition for it. Um, and I did not feel like the strongest improviser in the, um, in the UCB way, in the Herald way. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Herald form are, have a very tough relationship. Um, <clears throat> so I was like, well, let's see what it is. So the ad was in the paper. I did a scene. There weren't enough people in my group, I think, for that or the callback. So I did the scene with one of the writers And it was this weird scene in a restaurant or like a couple was having a date and it it was the weirdest scene, but thank goodness they were weird and cut to getting cast as a host. So I get cast as a host. Um, So that's sort of how it started for me. I think that was in 
gosh, October of 2010. No, is that possible? Yeah, 2010. It sounds about possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that was it. So uh, it was a host for them, and then we had. So did you, when you were there. Were we there at the same time when they were building, like with Dan, with um, the director? Mm-hmm. Um, Danny was the director yep. at the time, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I guess so. That was the new rendition of of the ride, but they had previous um, version of it. But that was the version, and then I that's how I started. Yeah, as a host, and then and, and so the yeah. ride is this immersive, interactive. Oh, I didn't even explain that part. I yes. got you. I got I supposed you, to. No, don't worry. You're, there's no supposed to. <laughs> Thank you. You're right. You're right. Don't shoot on me. Okay, great. Supervisors, we don't make mistakes. Um, no. <laughs> yes. Yes, Aunt. <laughs> but I saw your face. I was like, wait, should I cut this? And am I going too long about it's like the burger moment earlier where you yeah. were like, oh, sure, I can play along. Yeah, I eat my fries first. James, yeah. I won't make you look bad. I um, won't. I don't want to. I was like, well, all right. <laughs> no, but so the ride is basically what they did is they took this giant tour bus, um, they chopped half of it off and they made it all glass and they yeah. took all the seats and pointed them at that side of the bus. So you rode down the street sideways. There were two hosts on there wearing lab jackets who were conducting a scientific experiment mm-hmm. on how what makes you New Yorkers unique. And so you'd pull up uh, to these seemingly random New Yorkers walking in the street and they would bust into song or bust into dance. Like there was a, uh, a UPS person that wasn't a UPS person, just someone wearing it, happened to be wearing a brown jumpsuit holding a yeah. box. Um, and all of a sudden they'd put down the box and do a break dance. And there was a ballerina in Columbus Circle. And so I was a freestyle rapper where they would pull down 42nd Street. <clears throat> I would have been texted the name and one fact about somebody on board or a couple people on board. And then the bus pulls up, a hip hop beat drops, and I jump out. Uh, I jump out from behind a corner or something like that. And I'm start, I have a microphone and I'm rapping across the street to the bus. They can hear me inside of it. No one on the street with me knows what the hell is happening. Mm-hmm. I'm walking into a gap in rapping. I'm jumping into puddles. I'm doing everything I can <laughs> for either anywhere from uh, 60 seconds to during the holiday season, four uh, minutes of four, freestyle yeah. rapping. <laughs> and, and- yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was brilliant. And you were so funny. I mean, every time we would come to you, which is the great part about the ride is like at that time when we were all together, we all come came from the same spirit of improv. Yep. We all knew each other. So we would be able to like make each other laugh and really have some fun interactions. And I guess that's where the, I mean, can you refresh my memory really on the seat wiggle? If it came from oh, the rehearsal, which I also also remember Doug being like pistachio. Oh, he doesn't mind. I forgot his nickname. But when we would have, did it come from a rehearsal? Was it something that you threw in there? And I just loved it so much. That was it. That was like there was one time where I did it the first time where I, you know, the bus came out and I was like, everybody do the seat wiggle, do the seat wiggle, do the seat wiggle, do the seat wiggle. And then I would start rapping. Um, And uh, (laughs) and I I remember, I mean, you know, 
as an improviser, if the audience laughs, then you're supposed mm -hmm. to repeat that again. And right. you told me that that was hysterical and it really worked. And so yeah. that became my, my, one of my signature things. Yes. It just had a group. It was like, I don't know. It was like if, um, I was almost going to say Barry Manilow, but I meant Barry White. It was like if Barry White is being silly, yeah. um, but it had that groove to it. It's mm -hmm. like, who else can make do the seat wiggle feel like so, so groovy? I don't bop. even know. Yeah, it was like, do the seat wiggle. I can't, I, whatever, you, it's just, That's it was it. cool. It was cool, man. Tick-tock that seat wiggle. I put some stank on it, Leslie. You um, did. <laughs> That's it. Oh, and people, uh, people became that I became to know it was known on the ride as Jimmy Puddles because uh, I would always if it was if it was raining I was jumping in puddles. Uh, I think the the, the costume I mean, people were not happy with me. Um, no, but, but that you gotta do what is you gotta this, do. really well. That's what's so interesting about the the ride and when it works is like you go for it. You're not half-assing mm -hmm. it, but you're not putting yourself in danger. But you you're doing what you think is fun in a safe way for like the entertainment part of it without being like unsafe or whatever. Yeah. Um, like I said, in that way. And as the time went on at the ride, I felt like that started to be lost, but it, it also, I, I think there were a lot of things were, that were happening within that uh, company at that time. Oh, yeah. Um <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but the spirit of that time with those people, it was just, I think we were all, maybe you tell me, so excited to get paid for the fun we were having. It was yeah. like, do these people know what they're doing? Like, um, yeah. I just, it was like, we fell into mm -hmm. Candyland. There were two it was buses incredible. An hour. Yeah, it was, there were two buses an hour. Um, and I, I was on 42nd street between, uh, 6th and uh, Broadway and <clears throat> there are two oh, buses right. an hour. I would rap for, like I said, either a minute per bus up to four <laughs> minutes during December. Um, yeah. and, uh, and then I would go sit in Bryant park and have a cup of coffee with Patrick Lovejoy and talk about deep oh. life stuff. And I got okay. paid $25 an hour to work for five minutes. Um, yeah. right? and, and you made more than that as a host. I know. Cause I was trying to get in that building, but, uh, but still like, why didn't the, you? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Finish your thought. And then, okay, go ahead. But what we were making and to, to have the fun that we were having as friends, like it was really cool. Like we're all winning right now. Yeah. Um, right. And that was a yes. it was such a fun energy and it was, a, it's a good product, right? Yes. It, was, it was a good product. So Yes, yes, brought so much joy. The rapper role, all the roles are really hard. I still, for the years of the, um, I was at the ride, also the rapper role, there's you guys brought with you and Patrick and the other rappers that were there, just Mitch and Doug, brought not only the linguistic proficiency of rapping, but the humor and the comedy that came with it, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if people understand. Mind-blowing. The talent and the way, I mean, like, I, I'm still in awe of, of that because 
you know, you're editing, you have things that are happening on New York streets. You can't really, it's a family show. Think of Disney or whatever. You can't comment, but like, what do you comment on where your head, I mean, your, your brain must be working in different compartments um, while you're doing it. It's really mind blowing. I mean, I'm, it was, it was yeah. It was a good yeah, time. Good but also time. what it was, what it was, Leslie, for us was it was an opportunity to keep working towards our goal and our dream of being yes. on bigger stages, bigger, yes. bigger cameras. That's not a sentence. Um, <laughs> I want the, I want the, I want to be I want the, the widest biggest camera. <laughs> I can't wait to work with a camera the size of a house. That's I don't care who's on the other side. I want it to be a big camera, big lens. Yeah. With a big um, lens. But, <laughs> And a big yeah, light, right? like, a camera light on it. Exactly. And so that was the beauty of it because, mm-hmm. I mean, the acting the acting career, uh, directing like you do as well, like it's not it's not for the faint of heart. And, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, you know, from the ride moving on to, you know, almost where you are today, because like you mm-hmm. mentioned, like that was back, you know, 2010, 2011, that whole that whole era. Um, <clears throat> you know, we're 10 years later from that. You know, yeah. how has the hustle, uh, the acting grind, um, the directing grind kind of, uh, played with you. Has it, is it something that is, uh, something that you are still chasing, um, and still after, or is it something where it's like, if it comes up and people think I'm a good fit for a project, I'll do it, but it's not my main thing anymore. Like, you know, what's, what's your relationship with that, uh, that field right now? Uh, I'm, it's working through it. Um, I, I have to say, I, I think I'm potentially half mourning that side of my life. It feels like I'm living a a different life. But yes, like if someone were to connect with me about a project and I felt very passionate about it, um, connected to it in some way, do I feel like it's my voice? Do I feel like with my heart that I want to put my heart and my energy into this project? Who is it with? Where is it? Is it taking time away from my family? Like all those things. Um, I would 100% consider it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hustled for things that I recognized that I didn't really want. Mm-hmm. I hustled for things <clears throat> and I self-sabotaged quite a bit. Like, um, I don't know because I think on a spiritual soul level, I didn't like the hustle that mm-hmm. I felt like we had a struggle to make it. I mean, I moved out to long Island. We had one car and I can remember taking my husband to work. This is at five thirty in the morning. Waking up my son, taking him to work, coming home, full day as a mom. Then go taking my son sometimes middle of the day into the city for an audition. Yeah. Almost hoping I didn't get a call back because I knew that that meant I'm going to do the same thing later in the week. Mm-hmm. Come home, then around five thirty at night, go pick up my husband come back home and then sometimes head back in the city at night to do the ride or do a show. And I was physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally breaking down from that, which was the only time it made me think, what am I doing? And why do I feel the need to say yes to everything? And I think it was just out of fear. It was out of fear. This is the one that's going to, this is the one that will give me my dream. And if I don't do it, it's not going to happen. So in working spiritually, and I, I'm still digging into this, but it's it, if everything comes from your heart, and I know that I'm putting my heart in everything, 
then is it for the love of it or for the longing of it? So that's where I am now. Is it longing that I want that job that I feel out of fear that it's giving me something I can't give to myself or something like that? Or is it really for the love of it? Yeah. If it's a love, it's a, it's a non-issue. It's like, I'll right? You love something, you'll do whatever it is to make it happen. And I think a lot of times it was for the longing. It was for the outside the outside world to give me some validation that I couldn't mm -hmm. give myself. I mean, for that toilet bowl commercial or like that toilet bowl commercial, right? So I'll just segue into that because I couldn't recognize that, okay, this is, this is for the money. Like it could change my life um, if I book this national commercial. But I did that without recognizing that for myself because I felt selfish. It didn't feel like it was for the bigger picture, but also the pressure because in my mind, I wanted to book that so I can take care of my family. Yeah. So it's just a lot of stuff I was putting on myself. So when you take a moment with the way the world is now and it forces you because you know everything stopped to just sit for a minute, I was like, well, what is it that I want to do? Mm. And that's when I created my the sh the show that um, like I wrote a pilot. I made a sizzle of it, and it's like a heightened version of that time in my life where I was going through all that, and that was so cathartic. And then when I was done, I was like, well, I guess if I want to stay in this world, maybe I just do things my way on my terms, the way I want to the way I want to do it. So I'm still obviously like working through it, but I think there are deeper things to work out and recognizing that my energy that I put my heart into is, is very um, <clears throat> precious. So I, I want to have discernment when it comes to what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. That, if that makes sense. It does. It does make a lot of sense. It's really powerfully put as well. And you know, it speaks to some of the, the manipulation that happens within the uh, within the acting field, right? Mm -hmm. the things that you're told that you have to do, that you should do, that you whatever, and you're oh out my here, gosh, right? Like there's so much pressure, but I think it also at yeah. the same time, um, I think and the acting field and and modeling and some of those places it's heightened, uh, but th at the same time, what you just spoke to is also something that people can be going through in just their regular day-to-day -day jobs. I'm yes. like, well, I got to do this so I can do this. And I got to, you know, this is, I got to, I got to figure it out. And you know, like, we're not, we're not necessarily making decisions because it's like, this is what I want to do in my heart. And I also recognize yes. that there's a privilege to being able to say, well, do what's in your heart, right? Now, not everybody yes. has the life uh, that they can do that with, whether, you know, because of where they, how they started, where they grew up, how they were raised or systemic oppression, um, right? Like that's, that's, that's a beautiful sentiment, but not everybody gets to just do that. Um, and so, but no matter what, I think what you said still speaks to this broader picture of, you know, how do we find things that in our heart make sense as opposed to uh, chasing something that maybe isn't real? Yes. And, and, and even to what you're saying, I think like if you're in a place where you're doing a job and, and like you're saying, you might not have a choice to like have this job because it's from your heart. I still think the only thing I want to say about that is like to be conscious of it, recognize it, but how can you balance that out in any particular way, which I think we all 
can do it spiritually in and mm-hmm. sort of bringing back to that work to the self because we are born with everything we need and i feel like we spend our life reminding ourselves who we were when we were born mm-hmm. and what we were born with um and i'm not talking material things i'm not talking about um, because there, I guess in my world, right, there's what's earth offered and what's heaven sent in a way. So the earth offered is the material plane and the heaven sent is the, the spiritual place where what we can't see is still exist and energy and things like that. Um, but, but to clarify, even connecting it, I couldn't say to myself, it is okay that I'm doing these auditions. I don't like them but I recognize I'm doing them because it's literally to make money for my family because we need money. Like I can't not work. I, this is what I'm doing. This is what, and I recognize the, the, the um, privilege I have by even saying that, but it also came from, I mean, I worked in a restaurant and bartender and busted my ass for a really long time. And then I finally was like, I'm, I'm going to just take this risk. But even then, I just sort of hid that reality. I don't know. I don't know if it was like shame or it was just like I couldn't recognize that I I couldn't just say to myself, you're doing something you don't like, but you're doing it because you have these goals. So if you're in a job that you don't like, but you're like, but I'm doing it because I want to provide for my family. I have to provide for my family. Then where can the love of providing for your family start to enter in? So we just see things just slightly different. It doesn't even have to be a huge change, but then every day is not miserable. Then you're not out of alignment with your mm-hmm. truth and your honesty and your core. And I think I missed that for, for a very long time because it was a, a very much fear-based. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does make a lot of sense. And, okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's uh, <clears throat> settling is something that, something that I've always feared, right? Like I remember I had to come yes. up with like a password phrase for some uh, account that I created a while ago. And, and my phrase was never settle. Um, mm. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's you still great, have that good, password? Nice, solid. Sorry. You still have that password somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Look it up. Yeah. That's okay, my cool. everywhere. Yeah. Right, now it's just never okay. settle one. Oh, um, <laughs> but uh <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. We're in it. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> but you know, and like, there's something to be said for that, right? Like I'm an entrepreneur. And so there's an entrepreneur's yeah. mindset and the, there's something in there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I always told myself, you have to earn the right to say no. Um, and I think actors tell themselves that as well, right? You have to earn the right to be able to turn down a role um, as yes. opposed to, right? And and uh, and that, that's not always the case. Um, and so that that's why I love, I love the way that you're speaking about it. And I'm, I'm wondering for you, Leslie, yeah. you know, th- this didn't come up while, you know, while you were rolling by in the bus and I was rapping. Um, so maybe, <laughs> maybe it was yeah. around then, but what, uh, yeah. do what was your journey with your spirituality? Was that something that's kind of always inside of you or is it something that, you know, once you moved to Long Island and created a little bit of space, <laughs> right? Good old Long Island brings out, you, know, so you got you to find spirituality out there. Otherwise you flip everybody off. Um, Pretty much. But, uh, but still, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know what, once you created a little bit of space from it's such, it is such a powerful move for someone who wants to be an actor to move just outside of the city, 
It doesn't feel that long. Uh, it doesn't feel that far. But it is. it feels like you literally just put this giant gap between you and your dreams. Every I moved to Jersey City at one point, and mm-hmm. I was like, I think I just gave up. I think it's just <laughs> yes, right? yes. It's literally just across the river. It. Yes. Yes. Right. And so anyway, that's why I bring that up is, you know, I don't know if that's when it happened for you where you, when you created a little bit of that space, was there something that was able to fill it or what, you know, what's your, how did you find your spirituality or when did it come to you? Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, just cut me off or ask me questions as I go. Um, so I think it's always been been within me in a weird way. When I was a kid, I would sit outside and I would like talk to the wind, but I thought I was pretending, right? That's where the witch came in. And I'd be like, winds from the east and winds from the west. And then the wind would blow. And I'd be like, oh my God, did I just do that? I freak, I'm freaking out. Um, <laughs> so, and then I was sort of into tarot cards. <clears throat> Cut to, I used to do this, which I wouldn't probably do today, but forgive me. Um, I did this like Bulgarian gypsy lady. Um, her name is Layla as a character and she would i would do that game that improv game of like psychic like is there a b in your name a b a d could it be an f maybe a z like she wasn't really (laughs) right yeah very fun glad i just did that voice for you um (laughs) me too yeah thanks um so one time i did it at a friend's bar and i started picking up like actual facts about somebody and there were names involved and um, <clears throat> so much so that the friend that I read for was very pissed off at a mutual friend thinking they told me information about their life and I didn't wow. know anything. So, so I, t- I started tapping into that. Then acting got in the way and I kind of left that spiritual place. And then we will cut to, um, you know, my journey getting pregnant, having my son was a long one. And I worked with a shaman. And once that happened, um, I had some spiritual moments and, and my son, you know, got pregnant and my son was born and I kept with working with the shaman. And we kept going back to spirituality, but because of the acting, I guess I never like, like if I gave room for the spirituality, I'm taking away from the actor that I want to be or, you know, whatever issues I was working through. Cut to moving to Brooklyn. My husband's dad passed away and the house got too much for uh, his mom. So we bought the house that my husband grew up in and I'm uh, on the stairs. Very odd. So I had this in 2016. um, And so we spent about, I'm going to say I, it was somewhere we maybe like, actually, no, I I remember I fell on December 4th because it's my niece's birthday so I think we were there for not that long, I guess. And I fell on the stairs. And when I fell, I fell like straight down. No, it must have been longer. Mind you, the hustle to the city didn't, I did not want to think I was giving up. So I hustled even more. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, like I was so skinny and I was running around. I wasn't taking care of myself. Boppity boops. I fell on the stairs and in the moment I fell straight down, it went black. I saw a little bit of a light, but my voice said, I don't want to die like this. And then somehow I landed in a very odd position over the balcony of the stairs. Not, we're talking like on carpet. I wasn't like smashed, 
uh, or anything like that. But there were like five stairs, which I should have, in theory, if I fell straight down, would have gone straight down the stairs. But somehow I like fell down, went over the balcony and landed just odd. Didn't know how badly I was hurt. Went to an audition for Orange is the New Black the next day. I had to be holding a baby, having a panic attack. But the way that I was feeling, um, I booked it, I think, because I was living through it <laughs> from the feeling. So it turned out I, like, disaligned my pelvis and broke my coccyx bone. And I was a mess. I thought that I was dying because my body was doing something from the shock. of It's like getting in an accident. Yeah. So I really thought I was dying and I was so, losing myself. So I met with my shaman. I went, it was Mother's Day weekend. Um, this kid, I might get a little emotional on this because I said to my husband, I was like, I need to do this. I need to go for four days and I need to find myself again. So I did. And then when I came back, I said, I found myself. And then I knew that my bigger purpose was spiritual work. And then mm. ever since then, I have done physical healing on myself and seen what has happened in my sessions with people, that it is an unmistakable proven fact how powerful this work is. And I have physically seen the results. And um, it's like, how do you, how do you go back? How do you go back from that? But I, I don't see it any different than the healing one would do on stage. And that creative like improv moment when you're doing a scene with someone and this other energy is in the room, like speaking and you're both connecting because at the end of the day, we are all connected. Like we are all connected. I don't care where you're from, what you're going through. There's a part of you that if I'm healing, there's a part of me that's healing as well. And that energy is just from my perspective, undeniable. And the moments of forgiveness I can give for myself when I've hurt somebody, um, I realized was all out of fear and just not coming from the heart and not coming from that place of trust and realizing we're not alone. Like we have a whole spiritual team for us. And, you know, I didn't grow up this way. This wasn't in any temple that I attended. Um, but I can see signs how it's been undeniable in my journey, which is probably had to happen for a reason to wake me up for the, for the other part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Journey is the right word, my friend. Uh, yeah. That is, first <laughs> that of all, thank that story. you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, thank you for sharing it and opening up to us. You're, yeah. I, I don't know why I thought you were going to tell me that you fell down the stairs and therefore there was like bad energy in the house and we got to get out of the house because the stairs oh. are... You know, that's why I fell a certain way. And I thought that's where we were going. And then we went to some uh, way, which is great plot twist. Um, <laughs> no, and, we still uh, live in the house. I just saged it. I just saged it. Saged it. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. You know, it's funny when I fell, I was like, oh my God, I need to, for, I need to thank the fall. Let me thank the fall in advance. But I thanked it out of fear. Cause I'm like, oh shit, something's coming. Something, some shift is happening, but I was so scared of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, thank you fall. Thank you fall. We'll stay here. I'll sage the house, you know. But no, it's a beautiful. It was a beautiful gift that I can thank now from my heart. But yeah, no, yeah. we're still here. <laughs> We've all fallen um, on the same stairs. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe we should leave. Maybe maybe we all, we all have cracked pelvises. Um, 
Exactly. Hey, hey, hey. Quite literally, the stairs are a pain in the ass. Hi, oh, all right, all right. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for coming to the episode. The whole thing built to that joke. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That is, uh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. The journey to it. And you know, it's you. so funny. I love I love the idea of young Leslie literally doing witchery of like, I just started the wind. <laughs> um, right. Oh my God. Yeah. And then I get yeah. scared. That's and that still happens now when I'm doing some spiritual. I was like, oh my God, what, I asked for that. What was that? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, to the story of that, to the story of uh of, of reading that individual and them thinking that they they were a plant or something like that, or there was a plant that had told them all the you told you all the information um through <laughs> um you know through this moment in the house. Now what uh yeah, what what a fascinating what a fascinating journey. Um right. <clears throat> you know it's it's funny. You are now the second person who I've had on Dimer T- Diner Talks that has been to a shaman. And I'm over here like, are we on Yelp looking for shamans? <laughs> are we on like Google reviews? Like where, like where is one like, I, mean, I, would assume, I would assume if the shaman is right for you, then the energy draws you to the shaman, right? You read Amen. the name and you're like, this is it, Ezekiel. You're the one, um, right? And <laughs> this but, is Joan, by the way. That's Joan. That's who Joan is. Joan is the shaman. <laughs> Joan from the bio. Yes, sir. From the bio. <laughs> I love that sentence. Our own healing journey ten years ago, and working with Joan. Period. Period. <laughs> you all know who Joan is. Come on, um, everyone's got a Joan. Everyone's got a Joan. You're right, whether we know it or not. Um, yeah. So. So you find Reiki and, and yeah. tell us a little bit about what Reiki is, because it's, it's, I know it's, I, I played a little dumb in the bio just for the joke, but I know it's about moving energy, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily, uh, if I, if I know correctly, and I want you to correct me, but, um, but it's kind of like your hands are above the person you're not actually touching them but you're moving energy in them that that's that's my extremely naive knowledge of what reiki is and now you're going to tell me what it actually is sure that's pretty close um probably each reiki practitioner works differently i would think because um me being trained by um a reiki master or tuned by reiki master and also a shaman I think my way may be different than others, but yes, you would be on uh, above them or you do a light touch on them. So I do a mixture of both those things and um, you are moving energy. But the idea is that we have typically everyone knows we have seven chakras. So if you think of a chakra as like a portal in certain parts of your body, so you have it um, sort of the root chakras between your legs your sacral chakra is a little bit below your belly button. Your solar plexus chakra is a little bit above. Then you have your heart, your throat, your third eye, which is between your eyes, and then your higher self. I also work with the chakra of your ears because what are you telling yourself? What stories are you listening to? What are you believing other people are saying? And what are you believing that you're telling yourself? Um, and the feet. Um, and then there are other higher ones. Some people say you have an eighth, ninth chakra sort of above your higher self. They go from the front into the back. And typically, if they're balanced, they all work in clockwise motion. And then on top of that, there are different planes of energy within those portals. So you have your physical plane. And then right above that sort of sits on that is the etheric plane. 
And then above that, you have the emotional plane, which bridges the next two, the mental and the spiritual. So what we want to do is we want to work with all those and see where there's any density or any clogging or any issues to work out. And typically, most of them are in the emotional and mental plane. Because if you think about it, you have thoughts where you then feel something emotionally. And if we don't deal with it, we start to feel physical symptoms. So Eastern medicine is a lot of what because outside of us is affecting us on the inside. Western medicine comes from what's on the inside is affecting us on the outside. And I believe in the balance of both those things. Yeah. But when we ruminate on things um, and we don't release or let go or have compassion in certain areas, then there are issues. And then the first three chakras can in the shaman world-ish or the energy medicine world connect with different stages of our life from zero to 10, they sort of get split up within that time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, and it's all energy. It's the same thing as when someone walks into the room and like you feel a vibe about them. Um, that's energy that you're feeling. You might not know why or, you know, all that. It could be karma, it could be spiritual, they could be feeling something emotionally and then you're sensitive to that. Um, yeah. So that's what I work with. Yeah, with different tools and hands. Yeah. Yeah. Have so, you never done it? Oh, God. I have not. No, I'm not. I've done acupuncture. That's a new thing for me. Awesome. Um, meditation um, uh-huh. as well. Um, a little bit of that. I'm, I need to get back into it. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it worked while I did it. Uh, just on a practice I kept up with. <clears throat> yeah. So, but um, uh, but I, I definitely saw the benefits of it. And so, yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm wondering, a lot of this stuff falls into the woo-woo category side it feels yeah. like it falls under the woo-woo side of things right like the next thing you're okay. gonna have me hold a a, a, a a i don't know a piece of rose quartz and uh and and tell me you know whatever right we're getting to the crystals and we'll do like they're, they're like we can go as yeah. far as we want right and, yes. and there are points where now, we've talked about this in another episode with uh, Dr. Jennifer Mullen, where psychology and astrology, you know, find each other. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, and and so, but I'm wondering for you, or advice that you would have as far as when when should someone seek out Reiki, right? Like, I think a lot of people are like, well, my stomach hurts a lot. And so I'm going to go to the doctor and I'm going to get, you know, like, I'm going to get the stomach pills and I'm going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but there's a chance that, you know, your stomach is in, you know, your sacral chakra and there's maybe something going on there and it's different, right? Or mm-hmm. the, 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 the tenseness that you're feeling up here uh, isn't maybe just, maybe if you keep having it over and over again, um, you know, in your neck, it's not, uh, it's not just that you would need a new pillow um, or, or something else. It's that you're carrying something, right? Like yeah. there's, and so I'm wondering for you, you know, when do you, now, when do you suggest someone seek out a, a Reiki master to be like, you yeah, know, maybe there's something else going on here? I lo- yeah, it's a great question. So Reiki, you know, should never take place of a medical diagnosis or if you think that you need to see a doctor, you know, do it. Um, the thing about Reiki is two things. It can, like, it does support any sort of medical, physical ailment or treatment that one is going through because it can connect on a deeper level what also needs to be released. So you're doing something physical for your body with perhaps medicine or seeing a doctor, making sure everything's okay. At the same time, 
there might be stuff in your mental and physical place or in those chakras to release. So one could be you're going, you're having that neck pain. You've seen all these doctors, all these, you've gotten all these tests. You have no answers, mm. none whatsoever. Maybe you try acupuncture and Reiki, see what happens. The other is you feel off balance. You don't feel like yourself. Maybe there's nothing physically wrong, but you just feel something and you're not quite sure. Then I think you can entertain Reiki. The other is if you're already thinking about it, it's already in your world and maybe you're being called to it. Yeah. The thing is with Reiki, it's not like the Reiki practitioner is doing anything solo. You have to be a participant within the healing. So that means believing in it, being open to it, and receiving it. Because all a healer is, which we all have the capacity to do, is bridging between matter and spirit. Mm -hmm. So if that, if you're someone who believes that that is potentially possible, then walk into that room with that Reiki uh, practitioner. And the hope is, is that if that Reiki practitioner is coming from the place of the heart with the intention to heal and what's in the highest and best good of you, then that can occur. Then the release can occur within that session. So, so I always find if it calls to you, that's a great place to, there's no harm in it. Like there's no, if you're seeing um, one that you feel connected to, there's, it can support any means of anybody. So I think it's great for physical issues, for mental issues. You know, it's not therapy. Um, but just for, for that healing. And yeah. you're literally carving out that time with the intention to heal yourself. Mm-hmm. So that alone is yeah, beneficial. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Pausing for a second. Um, yeah. yeah. Recognizing that you deserve um, healing. You deserve peace. Yes. Um, is, is a powerful yes. sentiment on its own. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, and also another powerful sentiment is that I don't have to do it alone. Right. Um, and so. That's right. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, right. yeah, that's beautiful. I, th- I think what you just said is, uh, is, is important because I think that's where a lot of people get hung up on it. And I would, I would, I would even say that there's places where I get hung up on it um, because it's Which new, part? right. Anytime yeah. it's new, we're a little skeptical, um, but I have some great humans in my life that are like, James, this is the shit you got to get Reiki? in here. Um, right. And so it's like, well, I freaking love that person. I trust that person. So like, yeah. let's see what's going on. Right? That's why, that's why I did acupuncture. Now uh-huh. my friend Dorothy told me about it and I'm having a lot of back issues. And, um, oh, and so, we could do a remote session, a remote, a remote Reiki. Yes. Fascinating. Oh, think about it. I open to it. I, I would be an energy of love um, just mm-hmm. for connecting and the work that you do to, connect. If you wanted, I could do a remote Reiki with you on the phone. If you give me permission, I could just work on you and you don't have to do anything. And we might pick a time where I know you're not running around and we don't even have to t- to talk. You just give me permission to check in with your energy and I can just see if I pick up anything. And then I'll tell you what I feel, what I see, what what comes up for me, I'll let you know if it resonates awesome. If it doesn't, take it with a grain of salt and call it a day. And if you feel differently, you know, we check in with each other. 
fascinating. Um, <laughs> you, you have done, I remember you offered a free uh, tarot reading or something like that to people. And I got uh, on Instagram. Oh, yeah. um, uh-huh. you, you, you pulled a card for me. I remember that. <clears throat> How um, did that resonate? Do you remember? Uh, I remember. Yeah, I remember it hit. Okay. It hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think, yeah, I don't remember what it was now. That was like a year ago, but <clears throat> oh, what's oh, sorry, okay, never mind. I put yeah. you on the spot. <laughs> I apologize, I don't remember the card. Yeah, no, um, fries, fries and burger, fries and burger. We're I can so probably sweet to go each back other. through, I can go through my Instagram DMs, I can message you later. Um, right, yeah. perfect, yeah. <laughs> so, Leslie, uh, it's yeah. been so cool talking to you, um, and just and just learning about this and learning about your all the journeys that you have been on and there's right so much more Reiki. that we can talk about too. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, I want to be mindful of your time and mindful of the listeners time. And so I guess yeah. I'm curious, you yes. know, we, uh, you, I'll get your web, website here, lesliemizel.com, but like how can people get in touch with you for some of the healing work and, and things like that? Uh, as we learned, you don't just have to be on long Island apparently, um, but <laughs> you uh, don't. And I and I love that you weren't like, yes, I'm in. No, I'm not. Just fascinating. Let me process. Um, yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. It does work remotely. Uh, well, on my website, you know, because I'm still in between worlds, I'll say there's the acting stuff, but I have a page of Reiki and a form there where you can fill out and we can talk if you have questions for me or want to book an appointment. Um, so that's one way. I'm also on Instagram. So sometimes I do healing sessions um, or tarot card reading or like uh, group small intimate sessions, like a pick me up, mm-hmm. uh, just in energy. So that's, I think it's at Mizell Ellis. Lovely. I should know that. Oh, there it is at Mizell Leslie. Oh, good to know. Okay. I'm, I'm really good at that marketing. <laughs> I think. <laughs> is it? No, I think it's. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is. That's it. It's my Zell Leslie. It is. Oh, nice. Okay. There you go. Perfect. Okay. Oh, it is good. Okay. So yeah. Um, thank you for that. So yeah, that would be the two ways. Uh, my email's also on my website. Pretty much everything but my phone number. But you know, if we chat. We'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> if so your the energy's right, you'll get those digits. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Oh, yeah. Uh, get those oh, digits out here. Uh, <laughs> Leslie, it's such a damn pleasure uh, to call you a friend, to hang out with you. Uh, I'm grateful. You know, a lot of my friends have left Long Island. Um, and so I'll say this publicly and then you can hold me accountable to it. But mm-hmm. uh, since most of my great friends have left Long Island, when I come back to Long Island, I'm there for my family. But we got to get together. Oh, that would be a dream. I just respect you so highly, James. I think you are a beast of a person inside and out. Just bringing so much joy. You're just incredible. So thank you. I'm really honored and grateful to have uh, spent this time with you. Thank you. Thank you, friend. I appreciate you. You've been on the list since the beginning uh, and we, wow. we made it happen. And, we did. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for, for being the badass human that you are and the badass mom uh, that you are. And uh, thank you for spending this time in the diner. And I hope you crush the rest of your day, Leslie. Thank you. And you're picking up the check, right? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I got it. Okay, cool. Thanks. (laughs) Y'all, that was my time with Leslie Mizell, a dear friend, a dope human, 
and someone who apparently can do Reiki on me from hundreds of miles away. Uh, I don't understand how any of it works, but I am intrigued and I will take her up on it. Don't, I just don't want to give it the satisfaction of the moment. You know what I'm saying? You got to keep people guessing. So, uh, but still, either way, uh, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with her. And I hope that you, as you're thinking about your role in your own life and where you're feeling maybe stuck or just, you know, like, are you in a rat race? Are you shooting on yourself? Well, I should do this and I should do that. You know, where are the moments where we can bring and find a little bit of joy, a little bit of what matters to me? Sometimes we just kind of keep our head down and we keep grinding because we think it's what we're supposed to do. And then our head pops off our, our pillows at the age of 45. And we look around like, whose house is this? Whose kids are these? How did I get here? I'm going to buy a Porsche, right? And so uh, <laughs> there are moments for us to pause. And taking those intentional moments matters. Uh, and I, You don't have to fall down some stairs to do it, though, friends. Uh, so dope getting to hang out with Leslie. Uh, and I appreciate you all for kicking it with me in the diner. I'm picking up the check this week, apparently. I'll put it on the business card. But until next time, my friends, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. You all take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. <laughs> <laughs> if you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, come on now. You're going to make me blush. <laughs> also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, while we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.